Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, 30 Rock Podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock where you get the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurgs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 94, season 5, episode 14, entitled Double-Edged Sword, originally airing February 10th, 2011. David, if you would, please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. Liz Lemon has planned a weekend getaway to Nag's Head with Carol, but after their flight keeps getting delayed, their relationship is put to the test. Meanwhile, Jack and Avery are off to Toronto for a conference, but when Avery starts having contractions, they become desperate to get back to America, lest their baby be born a Canadian. (gasps) The scandal. Finally, in his newfound status, Tracy finds himself at odds with a level of social responsibility that people expect him to follow. Now, this is definitely one of those episodes I remember uh, from this season, uh, obviously because of the big, you know, relationship developments that happen. Um, I did kind of forget that this is the one where uh, Avery and Jack's baby's born. I know that happened in this season. I didn't realize it happened this early. I thought they would. I th- I thought they'd held that off for the end season, but um, no, it's still. Yeah, obviously I was wrong. Um, and then I also forget this is like I I remember I guess just the Liz and Carol bit of this episode because I'd forgotten this is also the one where Tracy has like his. I guess you'd say that like, it's sort of paralleled, but not in the same, not for the same reasons, but paralleled sort of the Dave Chappelle stuff that happened in like 2008, 2009, when he walked away from Comedy Central and walked away from Chappelle show. Uh, we can talk more about that later, but uh, I, I guess I just kind of forgot that, like I know those story bits happen, I just forgot they happened in this episode. Yeah, well, for, I did think it was a solid episode, yeah. but you're right, for considering the level, like the, I mean, having a baby and like... I mean, did did they break up? Or, you know, is this the end of the relationship? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, those are two pretty big, huge, consequential events. And, like, the episode itself, like, didn't feel super high stakes. Like, considering, like, it it felt like a... I don't know, the tone was kind of like of a mid-season episode, mm-hmm. even though the, I mean, the things that happened were, I mean, very big. Life-changing, yeah, literally. Literally. For, for two people, or for four, three people involved, four people, I guess. Anyway, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, so Carol and Liz are broken up after this. We don't see him again. Uh, and yeah, Jack and Avery now have a kid. Uh, and, then and Liz never makes it to Nag's head. Never makes, ah, oh, man. Uh, but then also, you know, this starts the small story arc of Tracy being gone, or quote unquote missing um, for the next few episodes uh, which was uh, a matter of actual production note Uh, no uh, Tracy Morgan had to have to go undergo a kidney transplant Um, so he was gone for the next couple episodes so they sort of writ him out wrote writ him writ him out that's a word it's just not used properly there Uh, they wrote him out uh, a couple of episodes and sort of reduced his role for the rest of the season Uh, but he'll be back but yeah so Oh, that's good. Yeah, and obviously, but yeah. Because I, I do remember when I was initially watching this way back when, I was like, man, they're downplaying Tracy a lot. and you know. They might even have to bring Danny back. The horror. Well, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Not even, no, Danny's still not in this episode either. Um, it's But it's a pretty contained story. Like the, it, We don't see the writer's room. Uh, no, it's but we do get Jenna and Pete and Kenneth yeah. Yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of the cat core group uh, of people are in this one, um, but there's some nice visual stuff here with, uh, um, uh, especially like the, the the airplane and like the deterioration. Like every time they go back, it's just getting worse and worse. And looks by the end, it just looks like they've rioted and torn the whole thing down. There's like writing on all the uh, overhead bins and things. Like it's just it's chaos. But we don't actually get a time frame of how long they've been on the flight, so. It, it, to me, that's funnier because it's like it could really only just be like four hours, which is an incredibly long time. I, mean, like, I wouldn't not, want to spend four hours no, sitting in a... I wouldn't either, but like it's not like they were there. Well, for sitting on an airplane that's not moving, I guess four hours in the airplane right. in the air, you have no choice. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's probably they were only there for a couple of hours, probably four hours, but it's like they just reduce so quickly to like animals that it's, it's, it's comical. Um, but yeah, like. Uh, and then the, it is some good commentary on, I guess, like relationships. Something that I don't think too many sitcoms really tackle. Like, 
why a relationship fails. Like usually it's because the circumstances, like, I mean, if you think like traditional sitcom reasons why people break up, it's like either one cheated on another, uh, the sex was bad. Like, it's just like all really kind of cliched. Like this is like tackling the fact that just some people aren't compatible because they're the exact same person. They're compatible because they're two. Because they're too much alike. Like I, I don't remember that ever really being too much of a sitcom trope around this time. And I think a lot of shows have sort of copied it or or, or or have done it since then. But and I'm sure shows have done it before then as well. But I hadn't seen those, and it it did it felt fresh when I'd first seen it in Thirty Rock because that just didn't feel like something that was ever talked about. Like it really just the sitcom was you slept with someone else or uh, the sex is bad. We need to break up. Like that that was the two reasons. Like, or someone gets a job elsewhere. Oh, that's or like right. Yeah. move or something like that. that happens Which a lot. Which Tony Rock is cast. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought it was kind of a refreshing uh, way to break up uh, or show the flaws of a relationship. Because you then reflect on like her other relationships. Like the Floyd is, they weren't, they were alike, but they still had, you know, dissimilar interests. Her and Dennis, I guess it's just, she's a she's able to provide for him and he doesn't ask for too much so she can like kind of skate by in that relationship and then for the wesley thing obviously they just they well i don't know if they actually dated dated but you know they just hated each other so of course that's not going to work out it's just things like that just sort of thinking back on other reasons why her relationships failed this one sort of has like i guess the most uh what's the word i'm looking for gravitas sounds too pretentious but like weight behind it I don't know I still think her and Floyd were the best relationship she'd had in the series but this one was good for what it was I don't know I'm rambling say something else let's hop in (laughs) well alright we'll hop in Uh, so the cold open is basically just going to be setting up Jack and Liz's storyline and then we come back and we'll uh, get Tracy's Do you have a neck pillow? I blew mine up and now it smells like my mouth. I never sleep on planes. I don't want to get incepted. Are you going somewhere? Carol has a flight to Raleigh Dorm, so I'm going with him. And we're going to drive out and spend a few days at an inn at Nags Head. You're going to Nags Head? Isn't that redundant? You're going to Nags Head? Isn't that redundant? You will hand me an envelope predicting my joke about Nags Head? That is solid. Avery and I are also having a little romantic weekend together. Before the baby comes, we're going to Toronto for the G8 Economic Summit. It's going to be very erotic. Look at us being all adulty. I packed underwear that isn't gray. Isn't it nice dating someone you have so much in common with? Like you, Avery is a type A nut job. And of course, you and Carol share your trademark stubbornness. We're not stubborn, we're principled. Have a nice trip, Lemon. Break out those underpants, but be careful. Dating yourself is a double-edged sword. It means you also share the same flaws. Well, that would only be a problem if I had any flaws. Not only is your fly open, there's a pencil sticking out of it. Good day to you, sir. Yeah, so this will be a fun drinking game. Uh, count how many times drink every time they say double-edged sword anyone says double-edged sword throughout this episode you'll probably feel pretty good by the end I don't know um, but no it's 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 fun but I like that she corrects even shows the stubbornness and saying it's not stubborn it's principled like exactly which I mean I don't know stubborn I guess it's not a wrong term but it is I guess it has such negative connotation that you wouldn't want the to be called stubborn but if the shoe fits so back from the opening, um, Jenna is bracing herself to. Um, well, she's she's practicing, she's practicing how to talk to Tracy now that he has completed his yeah. egot. I feel like that's such a missed opportunity that we didn't actually. I mean, I guess we see a quick cutaway of him accepting, well, mildly accepting one of the awards, but it just feels like they built it up for so long so it was like a season and a half they built up him you know trying to EGOT and then it just sort of comes and goes and I guess maybe they had to cut it short because of his um, like medical emergency yeah, maybe. I feel like they could have done a solid award show mm-hmm. parody episode though. Absolutely. that would have been that would have been a fun thing to see yeah, but, but oh well, well. Um, 
but no, this so uh, yeah, she's just she's prepping herself to be the bigger person and, and congratulate him, but she still can't quite do it. Tracy, congratulations on egotting. You got an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. You are more talented than I. You're ready, Mira Jenna. Tracy, congratulations on the e Empire State Building will be lit in the color of your choosing. Clear. SeaWorld will now let you borrow a killer whale for spring break. I'll need a whale saddle. And Steven Spielberg wants you to star in his next movie. Kate Capshaw's husband? <sighs> Tracy, congratulations. I loved your acceptance speech. Tracy Jordan asked me to accept this on his behalf because his mouth is full. Pop dog! So, I guess you've made it to the next level. I look forward to seeing how this empowers you to make my life more difficult. As am I, Liz Lemon. It'll probably involve a guitar playing chimpanzee that I bought this morning. No. Uh, hold on. Dot com is confirming that he drowned. Why are you putting me in a suit? I still haven't memorized my tour passage. Oh, you're going to a lunch for the Council on Poverty. And this afternoon, you're speaking at the Clinton Foundation. Speaking? That doesn't sound like me. That sounds like work. Yeah, well, the next level isn't all fun. Success is a double-edged sword. You're actually respected now. Like it or not, people are going to expect you to use that power for good. Come on, sir. Arms. So in Tracy's Oscar acceptance speech there, there's a reference to... I don't think I've ever actually heard this name said out loud, so I'm not positive I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Satchin Littlefeather, who was the actor who, when Marlon Brando won an Oscar for The Godfather... She accepted on his behalf, basically, in partly in a protest of like Hollywood treatment of Native Americans in film. But yeah, in this it, case, it was a little bit less was, virtuous. Yeah, um, so it's still selfish reasons, or rather selfish reasons on Tracy's part. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I was looking that up while you were uh, while we were seeing that scene, and yeah, so yeah, Brando. Um, well, you've already said it. I don't need to repeat it. But yeah, I think that was a cool thing for him to do. Um, he was ahead of his time. I mean, I don't know how much impact it really seemed to have because I feel like the treatment of Native Americans are still pretty bad, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but it brought up a lot of attention to the no, cause, at least, which is better um, than no attention, I guess. I feel like there was someone else did similar did a similar thing. I, I know there's been a lot of uh, sort of protests or people... Um, as some people would say, getting political at an award show. But, I mean, you've got the 60 to 90 seconds. You know, use the spotlight to do something rather than just thank God. I, anyway, uh, yeah, so good job, Brando. You did something cool, man. Good job, Tracy, not accepting an award with your mouth full. Yeah. That would yeah, be rude. very kind of you. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's funny to, like, Cause I don't. I mean, Brando is one of those actors. Like, I, he was just a household name. Like, I've known him, known of him for years, but I've never really seen too many of his films. Cause you know, a lot of his films were you know late fifties, sixties, Godfather stuff like that. Like, they're just sort of out of my wheelhouse. But also, as time goes on, like stories come out about him that like paint him as a good guy, and some of it paints him as like really off the wall, might be kind of crazy. Like, uh, was it um, the documentary Heart of Darkness is about um, Island of Dr. Moreau? And apparently, I don't know, Heart of Darkness is maybe it, maybe I'm mixing something up, but. Um, uh, well, there's, a, I mean, there's Heart of Darkness, like, which is a famous is book. That, but is that the one that. In, but that no, that's title. Apocalypse Now, I think. Heart of Darkness, I think, is about Apocalypse Now, and I don't think Brando's associated with that. But um, The Island of Dr. Moreau uh, is a movie where apparently, like, like there is a documentary about that movie. Oh, yes. Heart of Dr. Darkness is Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Okay. Well, there's, anyway, there's a, the, I, I, it all runs together. But there's a documentary about a movie called The, Di the Island of Dr. Moreau and just how batshit insane that movie was and its production. Uh, the original director was fired from his job but where they were filming he couldn't just like leave the location so he ended up like staking out in the woods and would like come back to the set like secretly and like spy on the production 
but also like um is it lost soul yeah that's yeah lost soul the doom journey of richard stanley i I believe was the fired director um would come back to the set and like spy on it uh and then uh there was a, a whole other bit of drama between marlon brando and val kilmer because val kilmer i think was just coming off of surgery so he didn't really want to do much and marlon brando was obviously like a big diva he didn't really want to do anything and kept giving notes on all the directions like the only reason like there's a there's a running gag throughout the movie where he just has this little person that kind of looks like him follow him and that's only because marlon brando it's not in the script marlon brando is like i want that person in the film to just be a little mini me and they're like we're not going to say no to marlon brando so they just let him do whatever the fuck he wanted and so it's just like it's apparently the island of dr moreau is i think critically and uh just across the board panned as a movie but the documentary is supposed to be really good about showing the light on how just crazy some people can be in terms of production like it it's bonkers so i would say go out of your way to try and look that up but so the stuff like that, like like Marlon Brando, was kind of in his, in his later years was a little bit of a diva, or just had that star power that no one really said no to him, kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. He just had, I guess, he had had a reputation by that point. I actually don't think I've ever seen a Brando movie. I don't know. I don't I've never seen on the wall. I guess I feel like his two most well, the famous famous films are the Godfather films, mm-hmm. On the Waterfront, and Streetcar Named Desire. Which, yeah. well, I have I seen. I don't know. I. I've seen. I feel like I've seen a productions of Shikari Mishara, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've. I don't I've think seen his production. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to take anything away. I'm sure if you've seen one, you've kind of seen the. I mean, you get the gist of what the rest of them are going to be. Just a different, you know, style for each thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'd only seen Godfather for the first time a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I still need to finish it. I think I've only seen the first one. I need to see two and three. Yeah. No, I have a huge blind spot of basically old films outside of Orson Welles and Alfred Hitchcock. Like, yeah. Well, we're going through a lot of Alfred Hitchcock yeah. stuff, and you, but you'd seen a lot of those, or yeah. Well, basically, I, I took a, a okay. college class that was about the films of Hitchcock and Welles, so that's the reason. Why I, and that's that's the only reason why, like, I have seen those. Yeah. for the most part. But I mean, like it, it, it's it's wild how sort of ahead of the game and progressive that Hitchcock was with his movies and sort of in some ways I mean in some ways there's I mean there's, I mean, there's some misogyny there too, of course but. of course um, I'm not saying he's squeaky clean or anything like that but Which I um, hope not <laughs> treated Tippy Hedren horribly horribly um, but uh, I mean just like how timeless they are like some of those were like what they were like 70 80 years old they still like yeah they're just as gripping as anything I'd seen today like just still really well done films for when they were made and probably the relatively small budget compared to what they are what a movie costs to get made today like he was just doing really cool things with films so uh, but yeah there's I think anything before the 70s I most likely have not seen anything beyond that I probably have a better idea of having seen yeah. in terms of just like pop culture movies but like still it's a mixed bag if you need something from like the 90s to now, I've probably seen it. Anything before that? Well, it sounds like you have a project a, to work yeah, on. Oh my God. Could you imagine trying to watch every movie ever made? You couldn't no. do it. It would be impossible. <laughs> It'd be like trying to listen to every album ever made. You just couldn't do it because no. well, it's endless. For, I, I well, it would probably be easier to watch every movie ever made than like than listen to every album, watch every TV show, or read every book. Yeah. But. I mean, still so there. I mean, if you say every movie, which means you're literally including small indie movies. Exactly. I mean, indie movies completely. You know, if you said major films, studio movies and yeah. devoted literally all your time to it, you might be able to. Pull yeah. It off. Or yeah, if you did like all Disney movies or all. Well, yes. I mean, that's. But like you know, or all actors like all of Marlon Brando's. Like you could do that, obviously. But trying to watch every single movie would just be. I, I, oof! I, I would not want to do that. You couldn't. You really couldn't pay me enough to do that. I would lose my mind. I think. I mean, that would literally have to be your full-time that job. That would be yeah, exactly, yes. exactly, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're on the flight, and do you recognize the flight attendant? Yes, but I don't remember. I, I can't place where, but yes. Figure it out. Think about it. We'll come, that think doesn't about help it. me at all. Think about it while we watch the scene, and we'll see if you've got it by the time I it's I probably over. won't. There's a line 
Jones, sir. I realize you're more important than everyone else on the flight. What with those jet sweatpants? Excuse me, young lady. Are you old enough to be traveling alone? I don't know. I'm going to visit my Nana, but I'm scared. Ooh, wait, that's too young. Roger that. Ugh, look at sweatpants guy. This is a $90 million aircraft, not a Tallahassee strip club. Stuart, 2118, that guy. Excuse me, Mr. Sweatpants. We're gonna need to check that bag. And that is Skylaw. Hey, going to Raleigh for a business meeting. I'm a businessman. I'm not an air marshal. Good afternoon, folks. This is Captain Bernard from Flight Deck. There's some traffic on the runway. Should be about a half hour, and then we'll have you on your way. So sit back, relax, enjoy your flight. Thanks for choosing everybody. The pilot is my boyfriend. And so if you have any questions during the flight, maybe I can... There's a man on the wing. Oh, <laughs> we haven't taken off yet. It's just a mechanic. First off, that's some strong Vincent Adult Man energy from the non-U.S. Air Marshal. Vincent Adult? Vincent Adultman from Bojack Horseman, remember? The kid dressed up as a businessman who was going oh, to go do business? Geez. Man, I, we've watched all of Bojack Horseman. People will make references to it, and I just, it's lost. I just don't get them half the time. Oh, I bet. Just, I don't know, it all runs together. Like, I didn't know that kid had a name. Like, I just, like, if you said kid in trench coat, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know the kid stacked on top of each other. I didn't know the kid had a name. Vincent Adultman. Ah, yikes. Um,. Yeah, that's a fun, like, running gag throughout this episode. It's, like, the flight marshal that's clearly trying to say he's not the flight marshal really poorly. Um, yeah, it's fun. Um, so, it's, you didn't... So, okay, I feel like I remember watching a previous ep- episode and you saying that whoever it was, like, was going to return in this episode as the flight attendant, but I can't remember what episode they were in or what role it was, to be reunion? honest. Reunion? Yes, what about Reunion. A bartender? No. An old classmate? No. I don't so know. So when they went, Liz and Jack, or well, Liz was going to a reunion and Jack got snowed in. No, I remember the episode. The hotel clerk yeah. they were checking in. Oh, okay. Or no, I'm sorry. He was... I mean, I remember the episode. I just don't remember. I think he was he the was hotel clerk, I think. I could be wrong. But he was there and he was the one like asking. Yeah, yeah. He was like the concierge, I think, at that hotel. Ah. So it's the same actor. I don't think it's... Stuart got a new job. Character. They could easily be the same character. Probably not, um, because I think she was in pencil. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. He I mean, flight, flight attendants, they do all sorts That's of flights. True. Who yeah, knows? He could, it could be the same actor playing the same role. Who knows? Um, you can make it work without too much uh, yeah, too just much connecting the dots kind of thing. All right, so Avery and Jack make it make their way to, to Toronto, and they're, they're getting set up in their suite. Um, and they get, uh, they get some bad news, but... Apparently, you're not allowed. That most airlines will. I guess they can't force you to not fly, or they can't tell you you can't fly. But most airlines have a guideline that after 32 weeks you shouldn't be flying. It, well, is she is she that far along? She has to because be. well because it makes a comment in a little bit saying she's not due till March, and we don't. I mean, do we know what month this is in? Because this is January. That's still two months away, so she could be. Well, this aired in February. So. But that doesn't mean that's when the episode is. You know what I mean? But, right. Because, yeah, I mean, I feel like if it's but February, it, you would say she she's due next month, not she's due in March. I mean, yeah, but I guess, like, they don't make a big deal of her being a premature. Not like she's, you know, multiple yeah, months true. premature, but well, like, it just seems like she's on the verge of pregnancy, but she probably still has, like, a couple of weeks rather than, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, well, there's another thing we can talk about, too, in a second that's kind of bending the plot to yeah. make it work, but... We'll get there. Yeah. And this is the Prime Minister's suite. Oh, there it is. The Metro Toronto Convention Center site of the G8 Summit. Let's do it on the balcony. You might have to start without me. No problem. Well, if you need anything else... Ah! Oh, God, you're breaking the extra bone all Canadians have in their hands. Oh, Jack, I think the baby's coming. What? You're not due until March. Why did I buy a beryllium mine if her birthstone isn't going to be aquamarine? We need to get to the airport. Airport? We need to get you to a hospital. No, we can't go to a hospital. This is Canada. If she's born here... Good God, she'll be Canadian. At the risk of sounding incredibly rude, I would beg your pardon and ask you, in your opinion, what's the bad about being Canadian? Your milk comes in bags. Bad. 
Thanks. Your pavilion at Epcot doesn't have a ride. And if Canada is so nice and friendly, why does most of our meth come from your Asian drug gangs? <gasps> Are we not even making our own meth? What is happening to American manufacturing? Take our things downstairs and get us a car to the airport. Oh, my God, Jack. If our child is born here, she can't be president. Don't even say it. We're having an American, and she will be president, no matter how ridiculous that sentence sounds. If only we were in Kenya right now, we'd be fine. <laughs> oh, if this is helping you, I'm fine. So, this is a little nitpicky, but I feel like Jack and Avery would very well know that because they're American citizens, their child would be born an American citizen, and I guess if you're born in Canada, you would be eligible for a dual citizenship, but you can definitely be president. Right, yeah, so by law, she would be she would be considered an American yeah. citizen. She wouldn't I mean, be dual citizenship or anything. Because, like I mean, she this was not long after the 2008 election when John McCain, who was not born in the U.S., ran for president, so. Really? Yeah, he was born in Panama. To, I mean, I think I think it was on like a naval, like a naval base or army oh. base or something. But which is obviously is is American territory. But I mean, it's still a foreign country. Yeah, but he's white, so it doesn't matter. Just like Jack and Avery, <laughs> so it's all gonna work out. Yeah, he was born in Coco Solo, Panama. Oh, I did not know that. It was a, it was a naval air station. Okay, so I mean, I, I guess I guess air bases or things like that are technically still American, whatever. But even so, I mean, he was born to American parents, so. Well, I did not know that about John McCain. So why was that not? And wasn't Ted Cruz born in Canada? Like his parents are American. Yeah, I think but he was because he because he was like yeah. he was a Canadian citizen. I think he renounced his Canadian his Canadian citizenship at some point. Why would but, you do that? Because he's Ted Cruz. Why would he want to be Canadian? He he, he he wouldn't want to be Canadian for the same reason that uh, yeah. Jack and Irene wouldn't want their daughter to be Canadian. A political game. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to smear someone saying they're a dual, they're not even, you know, they're a dual system of blah, blah, blah. If they really cared about America, they will. I mean, I feel like that's just low-hanging fruit you have to Jesus distance yourself from anyway. That's insane. So that it does just, it does strain credulity a bit because, I mean, Jack and Avery are definitely people who would know that, but it would, the plot wouldn't work at all if they didn't, if like they weren't desperately trying to escape Canada, so. That's true, yeah, they need, they need that. I mean, it could be a thing like that slips their mind or something like that. Mm. But no, nah, it really just reeks of them just being ignorant. No, I mean, well, I mean, really, if even if that were the case, then knowing how Jack and Avery are, like they wouldn't even plan a trip to Canada anytime near. I, they wouldn't plan any trip out of the country anytime near she was due for that reason. But, right. You know, I mean, it's a whatever. It's a sitcom, so we have to. Yeah. We have yeah. to bend their characteristics a little bit sometimes yeah, to make yeah, the plot just work. Forgive it. So Tracy's having a breakdown at his first. Um, ceremony post awards prestige uh and uh he's 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 just not happy um but meanwhile back on the flight the passengers are getting a little bit restless didn't they say half an hour over an hour ago excuse me while we're waiting to take off we're going to go ahead and begin our in-flight entertainment which is the feature film legend of the guardians the owls of gahool and some NBC sitcoms that didn't make the schedule. We have to find the Guardians, Eglantine. Hey. Hey, Lizzie, you okay? People are starting to get a little antsy back there. Yeah, it's going to be about another half hour. Really? Because I checked Flight Tracker on my phone, and our status is just an angry, red, frowny face. Okay, you want to know a little pilot secret besides the fact that we get a discount at Sunglass Hut? The half hour thing, it's a trick. It's enough time so that people know they're going to have to wait, but it doesn't upset them. So you're just lying? That's not right. We're paying customers. Look, Liz, we have reasons for doing the things the way that we do them. We say half an hour to control the herds of walking mozzarella sticks who think that $300 in a photo ID gives them the right to fly through the air like one of the guardian owls of legend. God, that's been our in-flight movie for months. I just think it's frustrating for people to know that they're being lied to. Maybe you just want to fly the plane yourself. Well, good luck pressing takeoff, then autopilot, then land. Okay, this is obviously a tense situation for you. I didn't mean to make it worse. Just do what you need to do, and we'll get where we're going. Uh-huh. Nags head. Oh, no, Soren. It's Metal Beak. You have to stay awake, Eglantine, or the pure ones will moon blink us. What a snob Carol is. I know. Um, I remember this Legends of 
whatever. Gu- Gar- Gu- for a while, you said mixed up with Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I had never seen any of them, either right. of them, and so yeah. the titles are similar enough that I was like, Whoa. yeah. I, I I assume it's based off a children's book, just based off the yeah. title and the fact that it got a movie adaptation. I feel like that wouldn't be an original idea; it would be an adaptation kind of thing. But even I remember watching the trailers for it, and I was like, no one, no one wants this. No one wants to see this. And it, it really performed pretty horribly. Yes. Um, 52% Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, and it was based on something called Guardians of the Google. That's probably another reason why I mixed it up. Wait, $140 million worldwide off a budget of $80 million? That doesn't um, sound disastrous. Yeah, but is that domestic or international? Probably. It just says the film grossed $140 million on an $80 million budget. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not going to defend it. I'm sure it's fine for a kid's film. I mean... Most kids' films just need bright colors and flashy animation. Well, it had quite a voice cast. Oh, yeah? Is Matt Helen Mirren, Jeffrey Rush, Jim Sturgis, Anthony Jeez. LaPaglia. I'm sure they were. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of movies that have, like, star-studded vocal cast, and it's, like, even when they fought because it's not yes. that much work, and they probably get paid well oh, for yeah. considering the time that they, like... Yeah. Their time... Spend working. Time in the booth versus yeah. how much they got paid is probably fair. I'm sure none of them spent more than a week, if not more than three days in a booth recording all their lines. Yeah. I have to say I'm surprised. I, I remember it like I remember it thinking of it as like kind of like a flop too, but maybe I don't know, it did this doesn't this doesn't distinguish between what was domestic and what was worldwide, so maybe it was maybe most of that is worldwide gross. I don't know. I can't find the breakdown or, hmm. but I, I mean So while Jack and Avery debate if they should still stay in Canada uh, and head to a hospital or head back to the border. Uh, back on the flight, it's getting worse and worse for everyone on the plane, and Liz tries to talk some sense into Carol to see if they can at least return to the terminal. Okay, I can't turn the air on because I'd have to power the engines up. That wastes fuel. I'm assuming you don't want to stop for gas in the middle of the ocean. Okay, what about the bathrooms? Stewart did not study dance at Carnegie Mellon to become a flight attendant to clean bathrooms. Well, at least give us some food. Negative. Those potato chip bags are designed to be open in flight. You open them at sea level, somebody could be killed. And can you tell me when we might be in the air, Captain? Sure, in about a half an hour. Okay, Carol, you have a decision to make. Are your passengers just cattle or are some of them maybe even just one of them someone you care about i think you need to make a decision am i just another authority figure that you're taking one of your stands against like that police horse you yelled at if i can't poop in the street why should my tax dollars pay for someone else to or am i your boyfriend who you're gonna let do his job really if this is you doing your job you're terrible at it think about what you're doing you are making a choice here. I am not just a passenger. <gasps> and the captain has turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. All passengers, including any lipless middle-aged women in lesbian clown shirts, should please take their seat at this time. We talked about it off mic, but... Um, I, and I guess it makes sense when you explain it, but I just realized while rewatching this, like they don't explicitly say the reason they're stuck on the uh, tarmac, um, but you said it was because of the snowstorm. I just feel like they could have put a line in there somewhere because I mean, at the beginning of the whole um, delay, he just says there's you know traffic on the tarmac, so we're going to be delayed thirty minutes, but. I don't know, I just feel like they could have thrown one more scene in saying, like, the snowstorm's getting out of control, or, hey, the snowstorm's getting worse, we're going to head you back to the terminal. Like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like them continuously delaying the fight is ever justified. Outside of them now, he's become, like, after that scene, now he just becomes petty about it. Yeah. But before that, there's, there's no real clear line, except for the fact that when they're in Toronto, they see all the flights getting delayed. But... I, don't, I feel like they just could have like one or two lines to explain away yeah. why they kept delaying the flight. Yeah. I mean, I guess they'd be right. They never make it. They never actually explicitly say why. I, but I, right, I guess that's why I'm you know just assume then since all the flights out of Toronto cancel, there's just major air air delays going on. I guess. Yeah. So, which makes sense. I mean, because like you know like there was God there was a time a while ago when we were flying like 
like it was like the Atlanta airport was basically shut down because a huge thunderstorm like mm-hmm. knocked out there and it was like it was causing like massive delays all over the country that was the California mm-hmm. flight right yep. yeah because we were in Minnesota Minneapolis we three yeah we ended up being diverted yeah, through we, Minneapolis oh or, no, or no I'm sorry we were supposed to I can't remember well no we made it there no that's yeah, no, we, were we made it we, we were supposed to go to yeah it was like it was, right, it was lucky we were going through Minneapolis because if we were going through Atlanta there's no way we would have yeah because all, the, all of the hubs in Atlanta were shut down so that was causing delays. And then the reason our flight was delayed was because the crew that was working it was already working overtime and they had yeah. hit their overtime max. So they had to call in more workers to work the new flights that yeah. we were still supposed to be a part of. And yeah, <laughs> like I don't want to complain because it's it's such a privileged thing to complain about, but at least like the Minneapolis or the, the Min- whatever terminal slash airport we were in was spacious and and big enough that we could have wasted time in just walking around so like i mean god could you imagine waiting the greensboro one for four hours Mm. i mean we could just leave and come back because we're close enough but uh there's nothing to do in the greensboro (laughs) there's starbucks there's a starbucks there's like one a couple restaurants there's like one shop that you buy yeah that's right a bojangles i think a starbucks that's it. There's a couple of restaurants. You can get a like, beer. There's not much there, no. man. You'd be bored. It's a lot smaller than the Minneapolis airport. Yes. But also, thankfully, you know, you have phones and tablets. You have distractions to keep yourself busy. But still, it's like, I don't know. The the thought of sitting in a terminal for four hours to know you're going to sit on a, on a plane for another three or four hours is just like, I don't know. My day's done. Like, I'm not doing anything today. That's kind of why I hate flying anyway. It's just one like lack of control of anything like there's nothing you can do if anything goes out of control you just have to accept it and i'm i'm okay with that for the most part but i know for you you're a very particular routine take charge kind of person and the airport is like the one time where we just clash in terms of personalities because it's just like you're like we gotta go we gotta go we gotta where are we gonna go we're gonna do this and i'm just like man we'll get there <laughs> i don't know being stressed about being in the airport isn't helpful it's well just because there's so many things that can ex- go exactly but it's like, i mean i feel like the one question like i mean there have been times that we've had tight connections where no, um, we, we move quickly from gate to gate without yeah. much drama or fanfare when we make it so it's right but, but it's just like, this the worst feeling is like when you're on a delayed flight you, you have a connection it's like you're in the airplane and it's like the whole time you know like right now we're just sitting here but like as soon as the plane lands we have to like move because you right. know what i mean because you just, I don't know, there's just delays that crop up that are out of your control that can, you know, that just affect the rest of your, which I mean, yes, like, oftentimes if something happens, like, you just get booked on the next flight, but it's like, a lot of time, I mean, I don't know. They're usually, still taking Usually you book the itinerary because it was convenient for whatever exactly. reason. It's like being delayed yeah. several hours just, like, sucks. But, yeah. I mean, whatever. It's first world problems. But. Right, yeah. And I've gotten better about the mentality of, like, they can't leave without us. They will. Oh, of course they like, can. They have no reason to actually, because it's not like they're, they're waiting can. for everyone that has a ticket to come through. They will resell your seat in a second. Um, or have someone from standby, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll just pull someone that's waiting for the flight for no one to show up. But, yeah, I just, yeah. It's not that. To me, it's like, it's. I just don't like it because I don't like sitting around. It's the same reason I don't like driving for long distances because I just get bored. I'm just like. Can't this be over? I just want I want high speed rails to be a thing, and I want teleportation to be a thing. Okay, well, one of those is probably going to come a lot sooner than the other, but we'll Yay, see. Teleportation, let's do it. Uh, meanwhile, at Thirty Rock, Tracy's just had enough of his newfound stardom and is ready to call it quits. Uh, Mr. Jordan, several messages for you. Breakfast with Chuck Schumer. I don't want to watch that guy eat. 5K homeless walk? That just seems cruel. Cornell commencement address? Sorry, but Tracy Jordan doesn't do safety schools. The next level sucks. Well, you gotta be careful. You ever hear of the Peter Principle? Yes, just now. The reason people are unhappy in their careers is that they keep getting promoted until they're in over their heads. The Peter Principle says you rise to the level of your incompetence. But my incompetence knows no bounds. Stay in your comfort zone. If it was me, I'd just hide out until people forgot who I was, but... Keep in mind, we Hornburgers are famous cowards. On D-Day, my grandfather wore a German uniform under his American one, just in case. There's a reason that men like that aren't chosen for greatness. I don't remember saying you could listen to that conversation, but continue. 
Imagine if Mr. Hornberger were in your shoes. He turned his back on his community, on the world. How would he sleep at night? How would he look his children in the eye? Or perform his husband bedroom duties? For instance, painting the bedroom. Think about the shame. He would be run out of town. Al Sharpton would denounce him at a press conference on the street because Al Sharpton doesn't have an office. Exactly. I thought going to the next level would be amazing, Ken, like guitar playing chimpanzee amazing. God bless and keep him. But now everybody expects me to do all of this stuff, and I don't want to let anybody down, but I'm scared. <laughs> you don't know the meaning of the word scared. And I know, because I've looked it up for you a dozen times. <laughs> well, Tracy's starting to get some more character to his Tracy character, because... Up until now, he really, until really this whole EGOT stuff, he had really just been like a cartoon character in a buffoon kind of way. But like the fact that he's actually showing some sort of character trait of he doesn't want to let people down, he doesn't want to be seen as like a failure, it's a nice look for him. Um, doesn't really continue much after this bit, but uh, I mean, I feel like they could have they could have built on that. Yeah. I think if it's if it was for a comedy show, it's better to have him go back to being just an over the top cartoon versus a serious kind of role. Yeah, my favorite line in there was the 5k homeless walk being <laughs> just being cruel yeah i don't know i, I think that i don't remember giving you permission to listen to that conversation yeah. so funny it's just so mean <laughs> uh, but meanwhile back in canada um avery and jack stumble upon uh, a friendly motorist that will will help to get them a ride but there's more and i guess our motorist is played by john cho in a fun little cameo <laughs> What? You drive while we hide out in the back. Hang out in the back. Everything's normal. No smoking. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Thanks, hey, Great. I'm Lord. If you're a cop, you have to tell me. I'm just kidding. We're all on vacation. I've never quit anything in my life. I'm still in Girl Scouts. I have 9,000 badges. Hey, I'm still looking for a golf ball I shanked in 1987. I am not taking that penalty stroke. Good. We agree. Now let's drive this bomb to Buffalo and get this little bitch out of me. I totally did not remember about the John Cho was on 30 Rock. Well, it's just this one episode. Well, yes, I know. Yeah. But still. Um, but I mean, he's a, he does a great job. Uh... Is that a continuing joke that they have earlier, or like a payoff? Because uh, Jack mentions that a lot of their meth is made, uh, the best meth is made out of Canadian Asian uh, gangs, and then I feel like there's a likelihood that's true, but I've never heard that before. I, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's a fact, but I mean, like the fact that John Cho is a motoring or a mobile meth lab is sort of is that a payoff of the joke? Oh yeah, that? for sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. So there's there's some there's some intelligence and to the to the joke. <laughs> Thirty Rock having intelligent jokes uh, that's very off character. Very very out of character. Back on the plane, they're still stuck on the tarmac. Uh, Liz starts pleading with them to at least try and go back to the terminal, but uh, Carol has to give her an ultimatum. We've been offered a gate. What? What are you doing back here? Come on, let's go. Oh, we'll go. We'll go back to the terminal in the lounge with the reclining chairs and the turkey wraps. Rats. And we'll forget any of this ever happened. Like the fact that you insulted me in front of my entire crew, especially Stuart, who often makes up hurtful nicknames for me, like Mr. Bumpy Landing. Great. And I'll forget the fact that you treated us like animals. Oh, well, I've already forgotten that you said I was bad at my job. When everything on TGS has been so great recently, Austin Powers on Crossfire. Timely stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm not even going to ask what the hell that voice is that you use on the intercom. Oh, folks, half an hour means forever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you what I hate about you? You're so stubborn when you think you're right, even when the answer is on the Trivial Pursuit card. The card was wrong. And you're no better, Carol. You built that bookshelf incorrectly. I did not. I wanted the books to slide off. Okay, listen, Liz. We will get through this. If... 
for once, you can just let it go. I will take us back to the gate when you stand up in front of my crew and my passengers and admit that you were wrong. What? Admit that I, as captain of this vessel, was in the right. You were wrong to question me, and I was correct in my treatment of you and your fellow animals. I'd rather die on this plane. That can be arranged. Even though it's obviously over the top here, I would not be surprised to learn that most pilots have the attitude that the people flying on planes are like, just lesser, like, yeah, just like beings, cattle or, you know, just like yokels that are, that you follow blah, blah, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think it's, this is maybe a little bit too morbid or maybe oh, just, dear. just existential kind of thing, but they probably have to disconnect themselves from everyone anyway, just in terms of like safety reasons or well, right. But I mean, if it ever comes down to the fact that like something happens on their plane, they don't want to be like too attached to any one person kind of thing. Right. But Carol's just not. He's like, do they think that $300 in a photo ID means you get to fly through the air? Well, yes. I mean, yes, it does. Let's be real. Flying in an airplane is literally spitting in the face of science. Like it's, it's a ballsy thing to be doing. You're in a giant metal tube for multiple hours on end, defying gravity and everything else that gets in your way to fly across the country. There is some hubris to it. And I think as a pilot, you've put in the time and the effort to reach that level of where you're in control of hundreds of bodies. You probably do have an ego about it. Um, but I think for my own mental sake, I want to say that, yes, probably there are pilots out there that definitely think of the people that they're, you know, taking across country or whatever are lesser beings. But I don't want to think it's a big percentage of pilots. I think it's probably just a, a handful that think that because... I don't know. It just seems like the the ego to have something like. I mean, that. most I imagine most don't think much about it because they're right. really just in the. I yeah. mean, they're not. It's not like they're interacting that much with yeah. passengers. They're up and, in the cockpit. Yeah, and I don't think they get treated with a level of respect that they feel earned. Like, I mean, I don't like no. every time we like. What I'm saying is like, no one getting off the plane is like saluting um, a pilot or like saying thank you or anything like yeah, that because i mean well i'm not saying so, thank you i mean someone say thank you i guess when you get off the plane you're right. standing by the door but. right but i mean that's just out of obligation yeah. rather than like well i don't know thank you for getting me safe but, I mean, like, but if they also see the pilot walking down the terminal they're not right. going to stop and yeah. be like thank you for all you do because i mean they're just wow. they're they're right. doing their job kind of thing like i don't want to slap them in the face and say you're not doing anything outrageous you are you're again you're good you're, 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 you're bad at your job right. well, here we go we're going down suckers uh yeah i don't know i'm i but to answer your hypothetical i'd say there, there's probably a safe percentage that do have an ego about them but most of them are probably just like it's my job i do this literally six times a day i'm not too worried about it kind of thing i mean we haven't even really talked about the big ultimatum there of like how wrong both of them are, and, and they, they, the well, the passengers really emphasize it in the next next time we go back to the flight. But like, Liz is definitely in the wrong that she said that to him in front of everybody. But he's also in the wrong because again, they haven't given a very clear reason why they're stuck on the tarmac still. So for yeah. him to tell her to just say that she's wrong in front of everyone, he's in the wrong for asking her to do that. So it's like. But it goes back to what Jack was saying is that they're both stubborn. They're both of the same yep. breed where they just neither one of them will admit fault. Yeah. And so it's just like. <sighs> yeah. Also, I feel like that 30 minute thing is a real thing because I feel like all the time when they talk about fl- when you're on a plane, there'll be a flight. Maybe they'll say like 30 minutes, 30 minutes for that exact reason. Like it's long enough where it's like, okay, there's going to be a wait, but not too long. Because if they said, oh, it's going to be a two hour wait, you'd be like, or, ah. Yeah, exactly. You, you would immediately like give up and try yeah. and find an alternative. But if you say 30, like that's enough to get up and use the restroom and like walk around, but still be close Walk around the spacious plane. Well, I'm, I'm talking more like if you're in the terminal and they're oh, saying Well, yeah. And, and I mean, in the terminal, that's, yeah. I mean, in the terminal, that's yeah. a lot easier than. Yeah. But I mean, on the plane too, I feel like they'd be like, you know, I feel like, right. yeah, 30, like that, that's. Well, isn't that, uh, I feel like we've had that conversation, but I feel like that is a very safe thing to say to someone is you just say 30 minutes or less because mm-hmm. it's more appealing than giving either an actual amount of time or anything over because once you hit like 31 minutes, people just become more restless or uh, anxious and things like that. So yeah, seems like they did their research. 
Back in Canada, <laughs> Born. I, we haven't really mentioned that her character's name is Born, and obviously it's not to Lauren Michaels, who's producer. Who's Lauren? John Cho's character. Oh, I didn't catch that. He says it really quickly. Like he just says, like, like when he's peeking back through the curtain. Lauren Michaels makes meth. Yeah, that's good. That's heavens. what I'm saying right now. Um, uh, Lauren sort of tries to encourage Jack to just go to a hospital rather than risk getting stuck in the snowstorm to deliver their baby. All right, you saw the back of the Winnie. You know, we picked you up to get past portal control, so what are you guys carrying? I'm sorry? And a fake stomach. You smuggling unpasteurized cheese, prescription drugs, maple syrup from the Sacred Tree of Souls in Winnipeg? Uh, no, she's pregnant. What? Those contractions she's been having are real? Because they sound very sitcom-y. Oh, boy! It's taking so long. Hey, you guys should be in a hospital, not driving to Buffalo in a snowstorm. Thank you for your input, Lauren, but Avery and I want our daughter to be born in America so she can one day become president and declare war on Germany like back when we were awesome. You know, you remind me of my parents. I find that very hard to believe. They were both really intense. They wanted me to grow up to be prime minister, so as a kid, I had to win the spelling bee. They made me memorize all 700 words in the Canadian Dictionary. And then I had to go to law school. You went to law school? For one day. I was just so tightly wound that I got kicked out for karate chopping my roommate. I know. I'm a stereotype. All guys from Quebec are good at karate. Oh my god, where are my manners? Do you want to try meth? <sighs> what are you doing? I'm quitting. I'm calling 911. I'm getting an ambulance to take us to the nearest hospital. Actually, you dial 272 here. I will not do that. Alright, we're we're nearing the finale of the episode. Um, Tracy is also given an ultimatum to Kenneth, uh, not so much for Kenneth, but just for his own sake. Uh, but Kenneth says he, or Tracy rather, says he's leaving the show and he's going to go help the less privileged people. And the most less privileged people are in Africa, apparently. So Tracy sets off to go help the poor people of Africa, which that's what I wanted to talk about in terms of the Dave Chappelle possible parallel because i don't want to say it's definite but so he got the Chappelle show in 2003 2003 2004 i think is when that show started um and it was like a huge success like immediate just ratings critics everything everybody loved it it was a huge thing um and then after the sec after the end of the first season and into the second season it just reached another level when it's all the true hollywood story stuff like the charlie murphy stories started coming out with prince and rick james uh and then dave Chappelle would still be doing stand-up and a lot of people would heckle him not poorly not you know making fun of him but they just would basically ask him to do the Chappelle show at a live show and he just eventually got to the point where he's like i don't want to do this anymore uh, he got a $10 million contract from Comedy Central and then shortly thereafter just bailed on the show. Uh, and that was when he went to, or he, he fled, I don't want to say fled like a bad way, but he went to Africa to just seek therapy. Uh, but they had, they were contractually obligated to, to make more of the Chappelle show. So like season three is like a weird, like mishmash of deleted scenes and them still trying to make the show without you know the namesake of the show oh, like wow. it just i didn't realize that at all yeah like Gosh. Uh, yeah it, it, it wasn't great and it obviously ended after its third season um but yeah like Chappelle ran away for i think like six months uh in 2005 2006 and he just sort of hit out for several years and then he, he he came back you know by i think by this time in 2011 uh, he hadn't had his Netflix special yet, but I think he'd been back to touring and, and he'd been doing it. He, he got swole, is a word that, that people use. But I mean, he, he'd gained a lot of muscle mass. Like, he was much larger than he was. Yes, I just that. haven't heard that word in quite some... No, I mean, I've heard it. I haven't heard it in a, in a long time. What, like months? Because it's a pretty common term. Okay. You're just out of touch, old man. Sure. But yeah, he came back and he was more muscular than he was on The Chappelle Show. Um yeah I, I think that's what they're trying to parallel here I could be reaching way too far uh, on this but back on the flight um, it has finally reached the apex between Carol and Liz well folks from the flight deck it looks like it's going to be about another half hour and then we'll be on our way uh 
have an announcement. Our pilot has gone insane. No, don't listen to her. Don't. Having seen Crimson Tide on Showtime last weekend, I believe the only course of action available to us is passenger mutiny. I am Denzel. I am invoking Skylaw. You are now silenced, Shrieking Harpy. Stop shrieking. We could have gone back to a gate and he wouldn't take us. Do not blame me. I wouldn't take us because she wouldn't admit to being wrong for challenging my authority. Why not? What's wrong with you? I am right. He knows it. He could have given us food. Maybe this is one of those times where both of you just say on the count of three, I was wrong. One, One, two, two, three, three, never. never. How are you two dating? You're too similar. Where are you going? I am pulling the emergency exit slide and we are all getting off of this plane. I'll be a folk hero like that guy everybody hates now. Don't you even think about it. That is a federal offense. Just try to stop me. Oh, you be careful what you wish for. I will waste you! You'll have to go through this old bastard first! Soren Eglantine, your journey is at an end. I hope we can still be friends. They lost their minds. Also, Carol's definitely going to jail after that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised both of them went home that night. Like, I mean, Liz technically didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's not true. She Actually, she grabbed, I mean, well, when yeah, she was holding she her on the neck, she could have definitely, I mean, I don't know if that counts as assault, but she... Yeah, she should have been held up, I my, think, at least for questioning, probably. But they've got two minutes in the episode. That's so, true. Um, I was stumped by her, her uh, reference there of... Uh, a folk song about the folk hero who yeah. who everyone hates now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. Like, I didn't know if at first I was like thinking like, well, some someone who who pulled out the pulled out the use your words. What, Ooh, what do you call it? How many words? How many words? <laughs> What's your call it? The the slide that you slide off of out the oh, exit the, doors. The, the whatever you call slide. it. Slide. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, is is that what well, I mean? Is that um, according to this, it's saying there's a JetBlue flight attendant named Steven Slater who, after a passenger was rude to him and accidentally hit him on the head with some overhead luggage, got on the PA system, went on a mini rant, quit, grabbed his luggage and two beers, left via the emergency exit slide, and drove home. Hmm. Oh, that sounds right, but why do we hate him now? I don't know. Oh. It doesn't really say. What's his name? Steven Slater. His account of the event was not corroborated by others. Oh. So maybe that's what it was. He was a folk hero because of what, but then it came and out that came was out, not. There was more. That was exactly how it happened. You mean there was two sides to the story? Uh, no. Wow, I totally missed this. It happened yeah. in 2010, so it would have been not that long before this episode. But gosh, I must have just I didn't hear anything about that one. Interesting. Because anyway. I thought I was like, is she referencing solely? That's what I was thinking at first, but that doesn't make any sense because yeah, one... I don't think Sully had happened around this time. Yeah, and he was someone who landed a plane, not someone not who pulled every, out an emergency slide to yeah, do anything. Yeah, and not everyone hated him. Yeah. Although he has sort of gotten a little bit more, like, backlash. Well, no, Sully would have happened because Matt Damon made a reference when he first shows up saying, like, you know, not hit the birds, you know, like uh-huh. like people do every day. So, yeah, Sully would have happened by this time, but... Yeah, I don't think it's referencing yeah, that. It sounds like it's referencing this... Yeah, Steven yeah. Slater character, but yeah. Like, Sully's sort of taking a little bit of a turn in where it's just like, yeah, why didn't you hit the bird? Why didn't you not hit the birds kind of thing? Rather, I don't know. But, yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, the final scene, uh, Liz gets home uh, seemingly very late at night because hopefully she was questioned. <laughs> um, and she gets a phone call from Jack who has some good news. Lemon, we had the baby. We? We? Shh, you need your rest. Oh my god, congratulations. Wait, aren't you in Canada? Yes, my daughter is Canadian-American, but I'm going to treat her just like a human baby. We tried to get back home, Lemon, in a meth lab. Avery and I fed each other's craziness, but one of us was brave enough to step back and... He just quit. He quit. Didn't they give you Percocet? That's what it takes. Somebody needs to be willing to quit. I hope you and Avery can make it because you have a whole lifetime ahead of you of that double-edged sword just swinging around trying to cut your faces off. Thank you, Lemon. This was supposed to be a joyous occasion. I'm glad I called. I'm sorry. Your daughter is a very lucky girl. Carol and I... Jack! What? 
This woman's trying to tell me that we don't have to pay for any of this. Right. The Canadian healthcare system. Oh, no, you don't. We will not be party to this socialist perversion. You will take our money. I'm sorry, sir. I can't do that. Oh, this is going to be good. Avery, can you walk yet? I am right behind you, Jack. Let's go find a Canadian who will take our money. So the episode does a good job at the end there of basically, you know, the start at the beginning of Carol and Liz are the same and Avery and Jack are the same, but Avery and Jack manage to make it work because someone's willing to give in before it becomes totally untenable where neither Jack or, or excuse me, neither Liz nor Carol will quit. Yeah. And their stakes are much lower. Yes. Compared to Jack and Avery's. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then there's sort of a fun little visual joke there at the very end where uh, Jack, midway through his line of, I'll find some Canadian that can take our money, they cut to the executive producer, Lauren Michaels, just while he's still saying his little funny joke. Lauren Michaels will take anyone's money. Apparently he will. <laughs> but uh, I don't know much about the Canadian healthcare system. I know that it is a socialism or not socialism it is a socialism no No, it's just it's it's a public it's it's yeah it's like a publicly um affordable and publicly funded what's um, right for the government but would an american who's not a citizen be in canada gets injured go to the hospital they would still be responsible for some charges right yeah completely free yeah i mean i don't think it's always totally free to go but i think it's a lot of things that we would pay for are free and a lot of like in a lot of what you pay for is a lot less than like I mean well I don't know I, I I'm not really sure I don't know enough about it to know right. if, if a if a I mean maybe pregnancy would be fully covered but I don't maybe. know maybe or at least like I don't know enough to speculate so I won't yeah. versus but I, I mean I know it's definitely definitely less less cost but I don't know if it's no cost it maybe is in some cases and others I don't really know yeah I don't know it might be a case by like. case kind of thing like I anyway Jack and Avery will not be a party to that I don't think it's free in that like you can just get injured, go to the hospital and not expect to pay anything. But I think it might be like you probably still pay less or more depending on your financial, I guess, like depending on how much your financial well-being, you probably will pay a little bit more to offset the costs of people who maybe can't afford healthcare. You might sort of pick up their slot kind of thing. Well, I mean, I think the taxes, I think the tax in general cover the same, some services for everyone regardless of your financial well-being. Yeah. Sounds nice. It does sound very nice. It always like if that system were in place. They have here, copays. Let's go to Canada. We can't be worse closed. Don't you have to? You have to be a certain amount of years living somewhere before you can get citizenship there, right? Like you have to live there a certain amount. Of time. I mean, it depends on the country. There, there. I think Canada's one of the big things with Brexit was basically rich UK people wanted you know wanted to leave the European Union because much less taxes and oversight of their finances, but also they can still have a EU membership because if you you can basically buy citizenship in Malta and Cyprus, which are EU countries, so or at least you could at some point. So basically you you commit, you know, X millions of whatever dollars and you become a citizen of that country. So in yeah, I mean it, it varies from country to country. I think I remember reading a few months ago because you know there was the joke like, oh, I'm gonna go to Canada if the election fails and blah blah blah. And I think someone was like shared a like quote tweeted it's like you could do this but there's a wait period i think it's like either like six to 12 months or something like you have to be there for a certain amount of time before you can just become a citizen but i i don't have yeah, to from what i've heard in canada it's 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 really i mean it's really hard unless like obviously, well, obviously if you marry someone but other than that it's like i, I mean you pretty much have to have a i think a oh job or what you want you know what and waiting like a like a way to get in the country like right. i think canada is one of the like if you're a refugee, I think it's it's Canada is very accepting. But if you're just like an American who's trying to, it's not it's not it's yeah, very it's hard. Probably, to yeah, I mean yeah. that that's in, that that tracks. That would make sense yeah. to me. Like if you're just trying to get dual citizenship for next to no reason, I think it should be a little bit more difficult for you. Because why would you need that other than just? Because Canada seems like a much nicer place. <laughs> well, seems New like Zealand. On, on that's where all the rich people are building their bunkers. In New Zealand? Yeah. What's in New Zealand? Sheep. Oh, right, New Zealand. I'm thinking Newfoundland. I'm like, why the fuck would you want to go to Newfoundland? But no, New Zealand. Because that's also Canada. Well, because New New, New Zealand's free of coronavirus for the most part. So, of course, you want to go there. And that's where the Lord of the Rings happened. Ugh, that's a (laughs) selling point. Anyway. (laughs) For a bunch of nerds, it is. Yes. 
Oh, anyway, so that's the wrap on uh, Double-Edged Sword. Uh, the credit scene is one of the few credit scenes that actually bleeds into another episode. It's not just a throwaway joke. So uh, this this sets up Tracy's leaving Africa and him being quote-unquote stationed in Africa. But at the tail end, uh, the camera sort of pulls out and shows that he's on a soundstage and not actually in Africa. <gasps> so he's playing a twist on everyone. Um but yeah, final thoughts before we say adieu. Yeah, well, like I said, it was a solid episode. Um, I actually think like the at the end when Liz like goes crazy and takes the guy hostage on the plane at the end when well I mean, when Carol is is after Carol points the gun at her like that's actually like some of the the better acting that Tina Fey's done because it's like it's really out of character for Liz but like she also sells it and I feel like I don't know one thing about Tina Fey is I mean I love her but like I feel like she doesn't have a lot of range so but she pulled off like that moment really well yeah and it's actually a really good scene because like they don't say anything to each other like it, it really all is just an expressions yeah. and like you can see them both giving in, still refusing to actually give up, and neither one of them really admits that they're wrong. But yeah, it's just them like slowly putting the gun down and slowly putting the man down, and then just like <laughs> slowly putting the man down. Well, putting the man that down. sounds like an appropriate yeah. um, action. Well, yeah, the man was a weapon. No, um, <laughs> no, he was a no, shield. Was, <laughs> it's even worse. Shield is a weapon. I guess it can be, but I don't. I mean, I don't. No, I, I, don't, I don't see her wailing on someone with an old man. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a scene with expressions rather than words. Um, and there's like a small little moment at the very end where she's like, just mouths, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. But it's like them breaking up without actually saying it. It's, it's a good scene. Um, but yeah. So now Carol and Liz have broken up. No, Tracy's no. left 30 Rock and oh. TGS. And Liz or uh, Jack and Avery have a baby. So again, some of them that could have been like the mid season. Uh, you know the Christmas break episode or could have been the season finale but we have it sort of in the middle of the season so. it's the mid-mid-season non-finale yeah I don't think they went on a break or anything I think they come right back next week yep come right back next week for another episode so but it's again it's setting up that small little story arc for uh, Tracy and everything so alright well as always, thank you for joining us on Go To There. If you like what we're doing, rating and reviewing, all that fun stuff is going to be the best way to help us out. Otherwise, we'll see you next week in episode 95, season 5, episode 15, entitled It's Never Too Late For Now, wherein Pete and Frank start bands together because they think that they have some sort of talent, which I guess Pete does because he was a former member of Loverboy. Um, Jack feels like he's losing his edge as a negotiator when he has to deal with uh, his baby's nanny. And Liz just fully gives up on love and decides to become oh. a full-on spinster. Poor Liz. Poor Liz. She does her best, and it's just not going to work out for her. David, take us out. See you next time. How's Africa, sir? It's amazing. This morning I taught the local school children all the words of Monster Mash. So when do you think you'll be coming back? TGS has a show in a couple weeks. Don't you get that this is bigger than all that? Like how an ant is much bigger than a smaller bug. Well, that's an odd way to say that, sir. But... I have to go. This was a really good decision. Goodbye, King. Yep, really good decision. I don't remember saying you could listen to that conversation.